0: not just with running but also with the treatment process just to take one step at a time because if you think about the whole thing it can feel very
1: very overwhelming She was like you made me come out to this <laughs> stupid dome for six days you better get your butt out there and run yeah
2: Greeting, my friends. This is uh, Jason Dennis back with another edition of the Run the Race podcast, uh, episode number sixty-two. We talk on a pretty regular basis, on pretty much weekly. Uh, about fitness and faith issues, and I'm going to tell you about uh, how I burned 5,000-plus calories in about a third of the day over the weekend uh, at an event uh, that was uh, led uh, by the race directors that are our my guests on this episode for Run the Race. Um, it is Kevin and Annie Randolph, and uh, we talk about all kinds of uh, things. They're Revolution Running, where they lead about 10 races I'm uh, in Georgia over the course of the year, and um, we talk about um, this event that we had over the weekend, which was a 24-hour event to see who could last that long. We talk about uh, her diagnosis of uh, breast cancer and how she continues to still run and, and how her faith in God has strengthened her during this process of chemo and everything else. Uh, we talk about Kevin's uh, 453-mile run in six days in a dome pretty crazy. They both run dozens and dozens of ultras. We talk about race directing even amidst the COVID-19 pandemic and marriage and, and trusting God and running for causes. So uh, a great conversation with them. And and one of the things I found, you know, because they're pretty active on social media as well, that, that Annie Randolph wrote, I'm just going to read a little bit of it, about her cancer diagnosis. Uh, in fact, she's got surgery coming up in just about a week. So definitely prayers for her and their family. She said, this is hard. I feel like I'm walking around in someone else's body, a body I don't want to be in. I'm tired and weak, and my brain is fuzzy, but I am so thankful that God has given me another day to fight. And she compares kind of running uh, while she's doing chemo to running in an altitude and 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 uh, you know higher elevation places and trail running. she says, quote, "So I take the deepest breath I can and keep running because I'm reminded by the grace of God I can do." hard things. So that really puts it in perspective. If, if she can do it, you know we can do it. Um, so uh, it, it's definitely a lesson learned. So uh, I, I hope you could stick around for a few minutes to listen to my conversation with uh, this great couple about running, uh, life, and, and lots of other things. But uh, I wanted to tell you really quickly about that event that they led called Hashtag One Mile at a Time. So I signed up with it uh, for it Uh, several months ago, it was only $5. I was like, great. You know, I'll go up there. It's in Griffin, Georgia, only about an hour and a half away from where I live in Columbus and uh, I limited to 100 runners, about 60 or 70 showed up, and about half those were from Columbus. So a lot of familiar faces. We set up canopies and tents, and people, you know, had a great time. And so I got up at 5 in the morning and left, and uh, the race started at 8 a.m. And so the way this, this works is it's, it's not your typical maybe 24-hour or last-man-standing thing. Uh, it's a 1.05-mile a loop around a lake, and uh, it's mostly flat, but it was pretty muddy in places. And then there's one one large hill that takes a few minutes to walk up. Most of us were walking or hiking up that, that hill on the loop. And so the trick is you have to be back in the starting corral every 15 minutes. So, of course, 8 a.m., 8.15, 8.30, and so on. And it lasts for 24 hours if you last that long. And if you, if you did, it would have been 100 miles. So the furthest I'd ever run before was a 50K, which is about 31 miles and some change. Uh, that was uh, last year uh, during the COVID pandemic. So uh, I, I tend to run a lot of marathons, 26.2 miles. So this one, I'm not sure going in, I was thinking at least 30 miles. Maybe am I going to get to 40 to 60 miles and and uh, uh, kind of living on the edge there? Um, well, it did rain on us for at least two or three hours. Light rain, thank goodness, which kind of felt good and kind of cooled us off. But then the sun came out. Um, I ended up uh, lasting out there eight hours and 15 minutes which uh, equaled a total of about 35 miles. So the most I've ever run before. Very proud of that. And, um, there were some other folks from Columbus, some of them lasting, you know, 10 to 20 to 25 miles. Uh, some of my friends also, uh, were out there for 40, 45 and some even 50 and one 58 miles. Uh, James, my friend did a great job lasting out there for uh, a really long time, gutting it out. And that's kind of the challenge one mile at a time. Can you do one more mile, one more mile? And there's this peer pressure from your friends. And, but, uh, but afterwards, when you're finished, when you decide to quit or, or you can't last, you can't, uh, to come back in time with that 15 minute cutoff. You can uh, eat and drink whatever you want. Uh, I ended up burning about 5,000 calories, uh, but had a, had a really fabulous time uh, at that event. And, and in fact, and the days following this, I feel my body feels much better than I do after a marathon because usually I'm running on a road, bouncing off pavement or sidewalk, and I'm usually running faster, usually a nine to 10 minute per mile pace, finishing the marathon in, you know, four to four and a half hours versus this, this was averaging running and walking about a, a 12 and a half minute pace. And I'd have that, you know, two or three minute break. After each mile, so and doing some walking along the way too, and kind of some light, very conversational, easy running, which now my, my joints, everything's feeling much better. So uh, maybe there is something to be said for uh, for trail running for sure, but I uh, had a great time at hashtag one mile at a time and I want to introduce you to my guest. Kevin and Annie Randolph. Uh, they have been race directing uh, for over ten years, or he has, and she's joined him now. They've been married almost five years, um, and they have five kids between them from previous marriages. They both work for CarMax. And uh, Again, like I said before, Kevin did a, a six-day race in a dome with uh, more than 450 miles. We're going to talk about that. Uh, he also ran a 3.05 marathon in Savannah. A few of his goals are a sub-4 marathon, sub-450K, and also he wants one day to do 140 miles in a 24-hour race. He did 75 miles in uh, less than that uh, at this race. We'll talk about that. Uh, Annie Randolph, uh, who is a, a proud Christian, uh, she has Run about 50 plus ultras, uh, including winning first place female at the H950 miler. Uh, they put on about uh, 10 races a year, including the Stinger 24 hour track race that started about five years ago. It's, it's all that time on a track. They have some races coming up in May and June in Jackson and Locust Grove, Georgia. That's through Revolution Running, so look them up for sure. So uh, here's my conversation with uh, this great couple. All right, I'd like to welcome uh, Kevin and Annie Randolph to the uh, podcast. Just met him over the weekend in person. So uh, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely. Glad to be here.
2: Yeah. So I got you guys on the phone. Y'all live um, near Atlanta. Is that correct? Yeah, we're in Jackson, Georgia, which is, I guess, what'd you say, 45 minutes south of Atlanta, uh, halfway between Atlanta and Macon. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we're going to talk a lot about uh, different things. You guys have done some some amazing ultras in both of your running careers, including uh, one that was uh, 453 miles in less than a week. Kind of crazy. And then you guys obviously direct a lot of races through uh, Revolution Running. We're going to talk about marriage and trusting in God through... being together, but also uh, through uh, a a recent breast cancer diagnosis and running for causes. But first, you know, uh, earlier, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, I gave kind of a recap of the race that we just had over the weekend, hashtag one mile at a time in Griffin, Georgia. I know both of you guys, you led the race, but you also participated. And I know Annie, I think you got in, was it a half marathon, 13 miles? Is that right?
0: Yeah, right at it. On my watch, I had that when he actually calculated. it, I think it was
2: just shy of thirteen, but um, it was right at it. We'll, we'll give you at least thirteen, Okay. <laughs> at least. And then, um, and then coming in second place, Kevin, uh, you uh, you lasted, I guess. Uh, you know, you, once you gave up, one other person lasted one more lap. Um, yep. And this is, this is 1.05 miles, again, around a lake, uh, one hill kind of in the middle. And um, then you get 15 minutes. You have to show up every 15 minutes to that start corral or you are out. And so uh, you lasted 75 miles. Congratulations for that. Um, what what was that like for you that, because the format's a little different than maybe your typical 24 hour experience.
1: Yeah. So I had run last man standing events before, but it's in more of the traditional how Laz does them, the 4.17 miles an hour. So with that format, you you can, you can have a little more time when you get back to the finish. Um, the one thing I did like about that format, though, is that at 24 hours, you hit 100 miles. So with this format, we didn't know how it would work, um, but we wanted to try it out. And um, honestly, I didn't think that many people were gonna sign up, but um, the whole Columbus crowd—we um, really appreciate uh, um, all that whole crew because them coming actually gave us a pretty decent-sized race and made it a whole lot of fun. But with that format, you got 1.05 miles in an hour, and that only gives you 15 minutes. or excuse me, 1.05 0- miles in 15 minutes. So you only have two or three minutes to take care of what you need to take care of before you have to start running again. Um, which I thought would be very difficult, but all those Columbus runners are so good. They made it look real easy and a lot more people got a lot further than I thought they were going to go. Um, I honestly didn't even plan to go that far. I, I told Annie from the very beginning, "It's like, I'll just run 20 and call it a day and just use it as a training run. But, then, you you know, the competitive juices start flowing. The weather was perfect. Um, ex- ex- except good.
2: except for like the three hours of rain, but that probably cooled us off, I guess.
1: Well, I personally, I, some people don't like the rain. To me, it helps me. It keeps me cool. Exactly. That would have been the hottest part of the day, which is when I struggle and is in the heat. And we had cloud cover and rain. It made it a little muddy. I think the mud was tough, but the my normal issues are with heat and so I was like, I'm going to have to be out here anyway. I might as well just keep running. Um, I think that probably helped me go a little further, whereas with the other guys, it was they weren't going to have to stay out there if they didn't want to. But since it was my race, I was going to have to be there whether I was running or not. So I was like, I'll just keep going. Um, and it's real easy to wrap your brain around just one more mile. Yeah. So I went a little further than I said I was going to go, but.
2: Yeah, you kind of have okay. to add it to, to, like, you know, I just, I just have to push through, through one more mile. But, you know, some people, when they think about a loop, you know, a 1.05-mile loop, um, when you think of trail run, you think of kind of point-to-point point and kind of some nice, beautiful scenery. This, I mean, you're seeing the same thing, you know, 15 minutes after 15 minutes. So I guess that, if for some, that might get a little, like, uh, um, you know, drive you crazy, perhaps.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was the hard part. Most of the day, physically, I felt fine. I was just, just... At at a certain point, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was tired. I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of it. Um, but again, I had to be out there anyway, and I was like, ah, I might as well just keep going. Um, but what eventually, because I didn't plan on running that far, so I didn't really bring anything to take care of myself. Um, Annie did a good job of trying to make sure I had what I needed. Once it, especially once it started started getting down to the last 10 of us. Um, I, but I think that's what eventually caught up to me is, uh, I didn't really fuel and hydrate toward the end like I should have. And I was having to work really hard to make it in on time. And, uh, I was getting real sleepy and eventually I was just like 75 miles is good. 18 hours. I'm done. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the the race was based in part based off of course Laz's last man standing with the, with a twist, but um we had a good buddy that had passed away from cancer and he always used the hashtag one mile at a time, and we really just liked the idea of just hey one more mile every fifteen minutes one more mile and it was really cool to see everybody come in and you know, try to talk the other, whoever was decided to drop that lap, everybody was talking to me, come on, you know, you got one more in you. And (laughs) sometimes they could talk them into another lap and sometimes they're like, "Nope, I'm done. Um, but that format is always so much fun. There's so much strategy and like game plan and, you know, like bluffing of how long you may go or may not go. And, and having, that whole crowd out there just made it uh, a lot more fun because you never in a lot of races you you'll get out there by yourself and you won't see anybody for a long time Mm -hmm. and with this gave you a chance to meet new people talk to them go whatever it didn't matter how fast or slow you were going so you could be in the back of the pack or the front of the pack um it didn't matter because everybody was starting out out tied again at 15 minutes so
2: Yeah, if you run an eight minute mile, it's not going to, the only advantage is that you get in, you get a six minute break, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. The only thing. Yeah, exactly. And and then, well, all you really, for you, I mean, all you needed to bring was Annie. I mean, she will take care of you. You know, you don't need to, you know, she'll, she'll take care of your hydration and nutrition and, and, and Annie, uh, I know that, you know, the, the one mile at a time based off, uh, off of one of your friends that, that had cancer. I know you recently uh, were diagnosed um, with breast cancer, battling that you've been through, I think four rounds of chemo now. So tell me, you know, yeah. as somebody that's been, that's, you know, been athletic run a bunch of ultras very active and then this kind of hits you what's what has that been like for your your mindset your body everything
0: well obviously you know nobody expects to get that diagnosis and it's definitely you know kind of a hard pill to swallow in the beginning but um I feel like God has been with me every step of the way and um definitely being an ultra runner. I mean, like my oncologist has said every time that my blood counts are way better than they should be for where I'm at. Um, And I know that is in large part due to me being fit from running ultras for many years. Um, So I'm very, very thankful for that. For most of the treatment I have been able to run. Um, And I'll tell you, our friend Jerome with his one mile at a time um, and another friend that I'd like to mention in a second really helped me to continue to do that because, I mean, I was physically fit going into this, but it is hard. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, a week out from chemo, you feel really rough. There's a lot of nausea. There's just a lot of exhaustion. Um, I had to be on a medication that causes your bone to produce white blood cells because the chemo knocks your blood cell count down so low and it causes some pretty intense bone pain. Um, So all of that kind of, it would be very easy to just be like, I'm going through a lot right now. I'm going to give up running for a while. But from the beginning, the oncologist did encourage me to continue running and just said, you know, survival rates are higher for patients that stay active during treatment. So um, Jerome, our friend that that passed away, who always hashtagged one mile at a time, I thought a lot about him during this and um, not just with running, but also with the treatment process. just to take one step at a time, because if you think about the whole thing, it can feel very, very overwhelming. But when I just look at the thing that's right in front of me and try to just handle one thing at a time, um, that's a lot easier to manage. Also another friend of ours, um, a guy who used to direct a race, uh, called hot to trot. His name is Ryan Cobb. Um, His beautiful wife uh, passed away due to breast cancer, but she fought hard for several years. And um, you never saw Carol without a huge smile on her face. And without, you know, she, she ran, she did CrossFit throughout her whole process. And a thought that I had in my mind from the very beginning of this is no matter what happens, whether this is it for me or God allows me to have complete healing and I live another 50 years, I want people to remember me the way that I remember Carol during all of that. I want my kids to remember me that way. And I want friends um, and family to remember me that way Um, with a smile on my face and doing what I love and loving on the people around me. Um, So she definitely has been with me every day through this, this process.
2: Yeah, well, I, you know, when I, you know, just meeting you for the first time and seeing you in a person, lap after lap, um, on on this past Saturday at one mile at a time, you had a big smile on your face, and so it was very infectious. It's just somebody who meeting you for the first time, so I, I think it's it's working for sure what you're doing. And and one last question on that, you know, uh, you've got this uh, double mastectomy coming up later this month, so definitely praying for you and your family for that. Um, with 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 a diagnosis like this and going through breast cancer and all the chemo and how, how awful that can be, um, you, has that driven you more towards God and, and towards your faith? Or some people, you know, it it's like you're mad at God and you, like, why, why me kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so for me, it's definitely driven me more towards God. Um, I'll be honest, I've faced some struggles in my life before that I took the other route and kind of got really angry and felt like, okay, God, I've followed you my whole life and that's not really working out for me, so I'm going to do things my way for a while and that was, that was a very lonely and dark place to be. Um, and I know that I don't ever want to be there again. So I feel like it has pushed me more towards God. I mean, even though this has been one of the hardest struggles of my life, there've just been a lot of really beautiful things in it. I feel like it's brought Kevin and I closer. I feel like, um, I, the, the running community, I have felt so loved and so blessed by the running community. And I don't, think that we would have had the opportunity to experience that if we weren't going through something like this. Um, So definitely, I mean, I just, I see God's hand in all of it. And I trust that. I mean, I believe he knows the number of our days and, you know, if the number of my days are a hundred or if the number of my days are six months from now, you know, I believe that he knows that and he's going to finish what he started in me. So um, yeah, definitely. I feel like it's brought me closer.
2: Yeah, I know you told me before the chat, I believe that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. So, I mean, you have, you know, you know that that, I mean, no matter what, it's, it's in his will, you know, so... That's Absolutely, a, that's that's an awesome attitude to have. And uh, so we got a lot of things to talk about today. But I uh, like I kind of prepped you guys for. We do a fast forward, just kind of rapid fire, getting to know you guys a little bit. And I don't know if y'all split up which ones you want to tackle, but I'll just go go for it. And and um, yeah. <laughs> so the first one is um, either one of y'all want to take it. What is your current like job description? Which you know, there's different ones for work and also for home. So uh, I'll, I'm
1: going to take on the first two. Annie will take on the next two. All right. But- so for job, I am a buyer for CarMax um, and I'll throw Annie out there too she, when she is working and she'll be back to hopefully soon. She is a salesperson at CarMax, but um, basically as the, the title suggests, I, I purchased cars and a lot of other things that are, are around that. So very thankful for a job that uh, I like, that I enjoy going to and um also, it's a great schedule for running too. Um, the work life balance there is awesome. Uh, at home, you sent you sent us like a heads up on these questions, and I like kind of sh- <laughs> I struggled like, what is my job title at home? Because I feel like I really got it easy. Oh. So like first I thought I was like couch warmer, but then I, I also I feel like my job is to aggravate the kids and aggravate Annie. Gotcha. So I don't really I, I know. I also, I have to take out the garbage,
2: but other than that, like I got it pretty easy. We could call you like the, the chief aggregate aggravator, right? Or exactly. Like okay. Well, that'll be, that's
1: how they, that's how <laughs> I show them my love. They don't understand <laughs>
2: that, but it's a tough love. So the race directing doesn't, that doesn't pay the bills. That's just a, that's a, a side job hobby. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, the race directing is just for fun as a hobby. It's something we enjoy doing and, um, maybe one day it will you know, we could retire from regular jobs, but for for now it's just fun.
2: Um, and we're going to talk about some of y'all's races coming up, but for you, um, what do you do on a regular basis? Could be daily or weekly to stay physically fit or kind of in shape for some of these things.
1: Um, for me, uh, I basically run about six days a week. Um, anywhere from, I mean, I, I, I like to get in a, ideally like fifty to sixty miles a week. Sometimes it'll be lower, sometimes it'll be higher, but um, I definitely try to get in six days a week of running. If I'm doing really good, I'll do push ups and um, at work or curls at work. We got a pretty good office that likes to compete and stay in shape, so I'll try to do core type stuff like push ups or curls and um, or like anything I can do with the. Um, barbells like at at work but um mostly it's just running i I did buy a road bike recently Mm. and i'll try to get on it about once a week um but my my butt still hasn't got
2: used to the seat and (laughs) i usually have to recover for a couple weeks just after one ride (laughs) and so uh, so no lifting cars at work or attempting to do that at all
1: no um (laughs) although i do think the job helps me because I'm on my feet a lot. I mean, I've never tracked it, but I easily probably get in five miles at least just walking around at work.
2: Nice. And then
1: it's also an outside job for a majority of the time. And so in the summertime, especially getting in and out of those cars, it's it's like a sauna. Yeah. So I, I do think it helps just being on my feet as much as I am um, with ultras because, you know, I don't have to do as much running and time off feet as I might normally would have if I had a job where I was sat down all day but absolutely yeah so I'll let Annie answer the next two
2: all right so Annie you're in the hot seat now so uh the, your your section of the fast four um what is do you have like a certain spiritual or inspirational mantra or motto something you live by for your life
0: I mean I feel like I've kind of shared some of that with you but a mantra of mine is just that everything's better with gratitude. Um, a couple of years ago, I really, um, took on the focus of being grateful and I feel like it kind of, it kind of changed my life. Um, like I can tend to struggle with anxiety, but when you're looking around at all that you're thankful for, it just makes everything better. Um, and even like during races, uh, I had one particular night run that kind of in the North Georgia mountains that kind of went South, man, like it was it started pouring down rain. It was much colder than you wanted it to be. And the person I was with was having some nausea problems. So we kept having to stop and like it could have very easily gone south into that mental space of like we're gonna die. But I just kept in my mind saying like God, I'm so thankful for your creation. I'm so thankful that I'm healthy enough to be out here moving. I'm so, like, just over and over again. And, like, it kept me from going to a bad place in my head. So, um, you know, there's tons of verses that I love and recite to myself in my head. But I guess that the my mantra would be everything is better with gratitude.
2: Very nice. It's a great way to live, you know, because it's so much to be thankful for, like you said. Um, And the last uh, is, uh, what is something unique about Annie Randolph?
0: Um, what was that? I know what I was going to tell you. (laughs) I spent two summers in Bosnia um, doing mission work when I was in college and, um, got to work in a humanitarian aid warehouse there. And so I speak just a little bit of Bosnian, like not, not fantastic, but enough that I could get around town if I needed to.
2: Wow. What what was that like being, you know, in Bosnia and, and I mean, you were doing mission work, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, it's such an interesting place because the people are just a very warm, beautiful culture, The land is absolutely beautiful, but it's just a very, very broken place from the war. It has the highest concentration of active landmines anywhere in the world. So there's all these beautiful mountains that you would want to explore, but you really can't get off the road because, I mean, like a lot of the people that we helped from the humanitarian aid warehouse had um, like missing limbs and things from having um, encountered landmines. So it's just sort of this beautiful contradiction of like, beauty and pain and, um, a people who need a lot of love and help. But, um, the second summer I was there was very interesting because I was 19 years old. And the first summer I went with a team and I just fell in love with it. So the second summer I just went back and lived with some missionaries there. Like I lived in an apartment above their house and, um, there was a girl from Estonia, one from Germany and one from South Africa. So like the common language in the house was pretty much positive. I mean, they spoke some English, but mostly Bosnian so it was a lot of of being thrown into that culture at a pretty young age so it was a it was a life-changing really cool experience
2: yeah I'm sure definitely an an eye-opener um, and, and if I had like a, a, a horn to blow, like you guys uh, blew every 15 minutes uh, <laughs> at our race, I would do that now. Cause now we're going to talk about some running and racing and, and uh, okay. I know that's something you guys have been involved in for, for decades now. And uh, when I was kind of learning some about you guys, uh, Kevin, you told me, you know, you run a bunch of different races, obviously over your life, but a uh, 453 miler. Uh, in a dome six days, I I think I, I, if I counted right, I think I, I think I do that over 60 days is that usually that's my mileage. (laughs) So tell me about how you do something like that. 453 miles. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Um, that was six days in the dome. It was in, uh, the Pettit National Ice Center in Wisconsin. Joe Fegis, who is the American record holder at the sixth day, um, put it together and I really have no idea why I thought I wanted to do it. but
2: um, <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Why? People I don't might know. be like, why in the world would you torture I yourself?
1: <laughs> I think it's one of those things where, A, I wanted to test myself. B, it to, on paper, running a really long way over six days seems doable. Like I had in my head I could do 500 miles and I knew it would be tough, but I didn't know how tough. You know, It seemed like, oh, I can do that um but also you don't really beforehand i'd never done it before i didn't know how miserable it would be so i didn't really know what i was getting myself into (laughs) um but it was a really cool experience um in a lot of ways and then a nightmare in other ways but there were people from all over the world there i think that was one of the most uh fun things about it like japan mongolia the uk um Australia, I mean, all over the world, and um, so I really like that part of it. You got to see some just phenomenal, just out-of-this-world uh, athletic, uh, you know, feats, I guess you would say. I mean, watching Joe run basically at 830 pace for days was in s- just mind-blowing, and, and you can't really grasp it till you see it, and you're like, my God, this man's been doing that for days um but and then we there was a guy from japan who i mean you can pull up his splits they're online he he literally went like four i don't know for sure but it was around four plus days without sleeping and, and moving around the track wow uh, but there was there was some really tough things about it um the the biggest the biggest obstacle was sleep i mean it's like I had not had any much experience with something like that. And I just didn't know how to house to do my sleep breaks and get, once you're asleep, trying to talk yourself into getting back out into the hamster wheel was if Annie wasn't there, I would never have hit 453 miles um, because I would have just talked myself into staying in bed and sleeping more. Um, but she, she was like, you made me come out to this stupid (laughs) dome for six days. You better get your butt out there and run. Yeah. Cause you know, like we did not come here for you to sleep. So like once I got, (laughs) once I got back out on the track and moving, I mean, I would get back in a good mood, but like getting from the bed back out there was pretty, pretty tough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, you know, afterwards I was like, I'll never do this again. But the, the pain, of the race. I think I could handle again, but it was like three or four months of just rough fatigue after the race that I just took me. I didn't know if I was ever going to get back to how I felt before. Um, it was just a lot of fatigue where I, Oh, I felt basically, I felt like a zombie for about three or four months, wow. uh, after the run. And then finally the holiday, the note that race was in August. With the holidays, like Thanksgiving and Christmas came, November, December, and I just ate everything that was put in front of me. And that, that, that finally kicked my – whatever it was, my adrenaline system, whatever it was, that was shot out, finally got back to normal. And, but it was a rough three or four months after that of just feeling tired. And I know Annie had to deal with, like, basically not a fun person for a long time. So I don't know if I'll do it again just because that's a big price to pay. Um and it's it's really a selfish kind of thing if you think about, like, I'm going to use a week of my vacation time to go run in circles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I could be with my family at the beach or something yeah. like that. So th-
2: this is not a commercial for, like, a six-day race. Hey, go out. And, if you want to feel like a zombie for three months, you know, go out and try something like this. <laughs>
1: it's, I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's definitely – I'm glad I did it. I Maybe I'll do it again, but it's it was – it definitely
2: has a price to pay. <laughs> yeah. Well, a question I have for both of you, and if you want to go first, Kevin, and then, then Annie, um, okay. um, about, uh, how did you guys, I mean, like everybody has their story about how you started running, but how did you guys start like in terms of running longer distances, these 50 Ks and hundred milers and trail runs versus like, you know, a lot of America that runs might do, you know, five Ks and, maybe one marathon, something like that. So how did you, you guys, you know, kind of, uh, uh graduate to all these things you're doing now? Um, I mean, it w- it was kind of like where you, what's
1: that saying where you put a frog in water and if you gradually turn the heat up, you don't, it will never realize it's getting bold to death. <laughs> um, I think that's probably how it happens. You just one step yourself a little bit further into the, uh, the pond, but, um, I, I had pretty much the jump from marathon to ultra marathon was I guess I had trained my butt off to try to qualify for Boston and missed it by like 30 seconds so I was really upset and thought man I'm just not getting any faster I just want a different kind of challenge um and I had heard about ultras but I didn't it blew it boggled my mind I'm like I could I know how I feel after a marathon. How in the world do people run an ultra marathon? And then I met um, a couple people that run them, Brooke McClanahan's one of them. And, and, uh, basically they're like, no, you just run it different. You know, like you come to an aid station and you drink a beer and you eat a pizza. And I'm like, it, I couldn't grasp that. Cause all I had ever run was marathons on the road. And I'm like, what people are eating pizza in the middle of a race. No way. That's crazy. <laughs> so, um, once somebody told me like, no, the training you're doing for a marathon, you'll be fine. You're, you won't have any problem. That kind of put me over the edge. Like, okay, I'm going to try one. And, um, Pine Mountain, uh, 40 miler. It was, it was 40 miles at the time I did it in 2012, I think was my first ultra. And it just kept getting a little, I just kept, trying a little bit longer and a little bit longer. I heard about 100 mile or tried that and it just kept snowballing. Um, but so I think it was just knowing somebody that told me that I could do it. it was what made convince me to try it. Cause I had the idea was rolling around in the brain, but until somebody said, "No, nah, you can do it. You're, you don't need to do any kind of special training from what you're already doing for marathons.
2: Um, convinced me of it, but, um, I'll let, I guess Annie answer for her, but, yeah, and Annie. I know it's a fa- kind of a family affair because you you told me you run, you know, more than fifty ultras. So how how did you you know uh, what uh, ele- what uh, I guess launched you into this as well?
0: Yeah. So in two thousand nine, I was pregnant with my third child, a little boy, and um, I, I was seven months pregnant and around there, and um, he he was stillborn. So that was just you know one of the hardest things, probably the hardest thing that I've ever been through. It just, um, really took the wind out of my sails and, I I was married previously and I won't go too much into that, but that wasn't going too well. And just all in all, like I needed a different focus in life. And at that point, I mean, I had run for years, just like five K's, 10 K's and three or four half marathons but really had no desire to go further. But when that happened and I just needed something else to focus on, I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. So I signed up for a marathon, but um, I don't love road running and. I was doing all these long training runs and just not loving it that much. And in the middle of it, somebody told me about a blog of this guy that ran ultra marathons. So I started reading this blog and about these like adventures in the woods. And I grew up camping and hiking and I love the woods. So I was like, well, that sounds like a lot more fun than this. Hmm. So while I was training for my first marathon, I signed up for um, my first 50K And it was Pine Mountain, not Pine Mountain, uh, North Face Endurance Challenge at Pine Mountain. So I went straight from my first marathon into my first 50K. Um, And just the, I don't know, like the physical suffering was so much easier than the emotional suffering I was having at the time. And it sort of like gave me a place to put it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, That I just kept at it. And I mean, eventually, you know, I worked through that. And that's not something you ever Completely get over, but time, you know, you do heal some. Eventually, I just came to love it. I love the challenge. Like, I'm the kind that, like, the harder, the grittier, the more brutal it is, the more I like it. (laughs)
2: I know that one of the ones you said you were the hell hole hundred and the cruel jewel 100. Those don't sound necessarily the most appealing. Um, Like, you know, you're going to do something cruel, um, hell, you know, uh, so (laughs) maybe you feel that way in the middle of it. And you also were first place female at the h Nine Fifty miler. I mean, was this something where Uh you, you, you feel like you're pretty fast out there? I mean, do you like a certain strategy or pace when you're, you know, even trying to win one of these long races?
0: So I I would definitely not call myself fast. I would call myself generally a mid-packer. But if the race is really hard and it's hot and everyone else is dying, I tend to be able to hold the same pace. So it's not that fast of a pace. But when other people are not able to keep that pace, I I can for some reason. Or at least I could. Uh, Currently not. But, um, yeah, so like H9 is another one. It's a 50-mile brutal mountain race in august in georgia so i mean you know you got heat hills humidity straight up straight down on the duncan ridge trail um so i can just sort of lock into a pace and keep going when the conditions are really bad
2: so i know obviously you know you're you're familiar with the heat and humidity of georgia like the heat's what really gets me um, and, uh, you know, cause it can just soak the life out of you. And if you're not hydrated beforehand, like the days before you're in trouble. So how do you handle the heat? I mean, do you feel like you just have a natural ability or do you do something in particular to help you kind of withstand, um, you know, how hot or humid it is?
0: I mean, I do feel like somewhat of it is, is natural. I'm, I am just weird. Like, I don't do well in the cold, so I think my body temperature just tends to run cooler. But, um, I mean, I do – like, I use Tailwind. I've used Tailwind a lot, or I'll use – sometimes that'll start to mess with my stomach after too long. So, I'll use water and S-caps. But I do drink a lot. Like, I know some people have trouble drinking. Like, it starts to make them feel nauseous. Thankfully, I've never really had that issue. Like, I drink a lot um, during races. But also, I just – I don't know, like Kevin was saying, he struggles in the heat. I've seen it happen to him. Like he just, his body just stops working. And for whatever reason, that just doesn't happen to me.
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I am somewhat. I will say this. I am somewhat intentional. Like at the beginning of the summer, I read somewhere one time that it takes 14 days for you to acclimate to the heat. Um, like your blood plasma increases. So I will run in the hottest part of the day for 14 days straight. That's something that if I've had a race coming up, I'm intentional about. So maybe that really does work.
2: Yeah, and, and you have an advantage in Georgia because we have a summer last like six months around here. So Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you were telling me that you married into Revolution Running. It's, you know, it's a bonus of, of getting married to, to Kevin. And so this is a question for both you guys. Um, you guys obviously uh, direct races. And um, I think that you all do roughly about 10 a year, I think, according to the website. So, well, first of all, Revolution Running, where does that name come from, um, if, if, if you guys know?
1: So um
2: some somebody you may
1: know um that's in the Columbus running community now is John Pollard actually started Revolution Running. Um he he came up with the name. How he came up with it, I have no idea. And there is probably no reason if you know John. He just it just popped in his head and that's how it <laughs> came about. Um, he was gonna just basically, you know, stop doing races and I was like, hey, what if I help you if I help you you wanna keep doing it? And he said, sure. And that was about 10 years ago. So then, of course, I got married to Annie. So it's me, Annie and John all work together and uh, we work together. Well, um, really well, actually. So it it works out. John handles certain things that I don't like to handle, um, like on the back end, like ordering the shirts and ordering the medals and ordering the porta potties and a lot of stuff like that um i handle a lot of the social media and the emails and stuff like that um and the timing and then annie um is real good with the designing t-shirt ideas um making sure the stuff that me and john come up with is actually a good idea and not a stupid idea (laughs) um and 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 on race day she's really a huge um
2: help to us too so Yeah, I know there's a lot of prep people don't even see behind the scenes for months and months leading up to a race. And and so, but on race day, what do you guys both enjoy most about being race director? Whether you're participating in the event or not, what is, what are some things for you that kind of, that you get the biggest kick out of?
0: So I love to host, um, One thing that I feel like my mom did when I was growing up is just make things special, like holidays and things like that. Like, she just was really good about making everything a big deal and making it special. And so, like, running is one of my favorite things and hosting is one of my favorite things. So, I feel like race day is a combination of those two things. And, like, I just love creating an atmosphere that is special for people to come and hang out with friends, do what they love chase down big goals and have a good time and like I get to help facilitate all that and cheer people on and it just makes me ridiculously happy so um yeah that's that's my favorite thing.
2: Yeah, and, and Annie, amidst COVID, you know, obviously last year, 2020, a lot of races, unfortunately, had to get canceled or go virtual. Or So what was that for you guys? What was that like in terms of uh, – because trail running, you, you can get away, maybe smaller races, you're spread out more, you can get away with maybe having them. But was it, would that make it difficult for you and other runners and race directors?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we all struggled this last year. I mean, I was – pretty, pretty sad, pretty bummed about having to cancel races. And I mean, at first I was a little frustrated about it. You know, you just, everything was so uncertain at first. I was like, do we really need to do this? You know, but um, I think, I think we did the right thing to try to keep people safe. And I think we're doing the right thing by getting back to it. You know, we've put some, put some things in place and also, you know, mental health and all that stuff. People's fitness is very important as well. So yeah, it was definitely sad and, and, and challenging. Um, but I feel like we got through it. We're getting through it. And it's really good to see people back out there again.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's so, so glad to see things kind of opening back up and people getting vaccinated and kind of, as we see the light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, for the pandemic. And, and Kevin, I know, um, I believe I read about five years ago, you guys started the, uh, the Stinger 24 hour track race, um, you know, one to kind of uh, you know p- bring people in from all over for this, um, and uh, you know that much time or that potentially that much time on a track maybe doesn't sound appealing. But what has that been like? Was that did that draw some people in of of all walks of life?
1: Yeah. So one of the, the reason we started that race is it's in general as runners we try to only put on runner put on races that we would run want to run ourselves. So we we you know just your everyday five k is. You know, not something that we typically do. Um, and I wanted to run 24 hours on a track, and I was like, having a hard time finding a, a an event. So I was like, oh, we should put one on. <laughs> uh, but um, it, it turned in it, – it, it took it a while because you, you're limited with how many people you can fit on the track. So the first few years was basically we just broke even. Um and, and now it's become a little more uh, popular and a little more successful. Um and then with with COVID in the public school systems, um we didn't know if we were gonna be able to do it this year. Um, but thankfully uh we found a private school uh that was open to having this and it was only ten minutes away from where we were having it before. And the facilities were just as good, if not better, um, and we were really happy we didn't have to cancel this year, and that the school um, had us uh, with Strong Rock Christian School in in um, Locust Grove, Georgia. Uh, and we'll be back there this year. But the that race has is probably one of my favorites. Um, and when, is that gonna, when is that going to
2: When is that going to be this
1: year? It's going to be back at Strong Rock Christian School in Locust Grove. Well, that's, um, so that's in November and you can do six, 12 or 24 hours. And it's kind of like the race we just did the one mile at a time. It's w- the one thing that people think, oh man, running around a track for 24 hours sounds terrible how you mm-hmm. do it, but you're always around people. Uh, and it's a very social event. This is where if you're, um, running like a hundred mile or like, you know, on trail somewhere, you, you may not see anybody for hours and that's cool too. I like that part of it, but if you, it's also fun when the time goes by a lot quicker than you would think when you're having these conversations with people while you run around the track. Um, this past year was really awesome because we had Jacob Moss qualify for the, uh, us 24 hour national team. Wow! So as long as it doesn't get, he ran 159 point some odd miles, which placed him on the team. Um, And as long as it doesn't get canceled, Worlds got pushed to October. So as long as he doesn't get bumped off by people that run further, which I don't think is going to happen, he'll be representing uh, the USA and he qualified at our race, which was really, really cool to have that happen and watch it happen. That is just a... Insane to watch somebody run that fast for 24 hours, but um, that's go back to like your original question. That's one of the things that we love about race directing: see people accomplish their goals. I got an email a couple of days ago that somebody said they have never run a race before. They're signing up for one of our 5Ks. They want they had just lost 100 pounds, and they just wanted to know if it was okay to walk. Hmm. So even that person, it's I mean you. St- it's inspirational whether it's that person who just lost 100 pounds that wants to try their first 5k or the guy that just ran 159 miles for 24 hours it's
2: it's inspiring and that's
1: one of the huge reasons that i like to race direct anyway
2: yeah i know it's a labor of love for both of you and and um and speaking of of love you know i know annie you told me that um God used Kevin you know your husband now of almost five years to kind of love you back to life, so for you guys, I mean obviously, you share this passion for running um uh, long distances, that kind of thing um, do you think that I mean, has that been really good for your marriage? I mean, I don't know if you guys run together a lot, but is that something that uh is is helpful that you have a similar interest?
0: Oh, absolutely, uh, we don't run together a whole lot. Um, like in day to day training, but we do great adventures together. Um, usually, a couple times a year, uh, like we've done the Georgia Loop, which is a sixty mile loop in the North Georgia Mountains that connects the Duncan Ridge Trail, Benton Mackay Trail, and a stretch of the Appalachian Trail. And um, like we just have so much fun. Some of my best memories are of doing that with him. And we can talk about races for hours. Like, I mean, we can talk about a race course, about who do you think going to do this, and What do you think the best strategy for this is? I mean, we can talk about it for hours. So definitely that um, is really nice that we have that in common to talk about, but also the supporting each other like he talked about me crewing him at the six days in the dome he's done the exact same thing for me i mean you know you know it's true love when he's willing to get down and pop the blisters on my feet and bandage them and things like that you, you know somebody's going to be by your side at that point so definitely our our common interest in running has been something that's helped tie us together closer
2: And, you know, you were talking about earlier about the, you know, going through uh, the stillbirth from your youngest son and then going through a divorce after that. And now you have, you know, this um, happy marriage. Um, So you feel like kind of God has brought you a lot through that and kind of has been with you because like you said, it was very bumpy to kind of get where you're at now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I think that's one reason why during breast cancer diagnosis and everything, I haven't, I can honestly say that I have not once like shaken my fist at the sky or been like, God, why me? Because I feel like when I went through those things, I really did sort of throw a two-year-old temper tantrum at God. And, you know, in spite of that, he brought me Kevin and, um, who has, especially during this diagnosis been just incredible, um, just so supportive and so loving and, you know, makes me laugh every single day. And somehow it's even been fun at times. Like I feel like we've gotten some more time together than we would have had. Um, so absolutely. I feel like God used Kevin to, uh, point me back to him and just as a gift of just to show me his kindness, just to show me that like, Hey, even if you're going to be a little brat, (laughs) I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to um, give you good things because I'm a good father. So, uh, yeah, I definitely feel like uh, God used and is still uses Kevin every day in my life.
2: Yeah, well well said. So so Kevin has the permission to keep aggravating and, and dad jokes, those kind of things? For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part. So Kevin, for you, I mean, is that, you know, p- p- maybe you don't get asked this question as much as Annie gets asked about the breast cancer she's going through, but what's it like being the uh, husband of somebody going through this? Because I, I know that, you know, running, um, especially trail running and ultra running, patience is a big part of it, being a spouse, just in general, patience, but, you know, going through this and being like, you know, the supporter, the caregiver, that kind of thing, what's it been like for you? Um, I'm, you know, it's tough because, you know, you don't know what your role is
1: exactly. So all I can do is what I know to do. Um, and I'm a optimistic person. I'm always hopeful. I always think things are going to get better. And uh, you're going to make me cry. Uh, so I do feel like my job has been to try to help. She can handle the physical part. There's no doubt. Like, she's tough as nails. With I watched her run Cruel Jewel 100, and she can get through any of that. It's the mental part that I try to keep her positive and keep her head in the right place and, you know, just know that uh, things are going to be better. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, There's probably... You know, it's it's definitely tough to know. Like, sometimes you feel useless. Like, what what can I do? I don't know what to do. What should I say? What I don't want to make say something stupid and or make too much light of it. And, you know, it such a serious situation. But um, I, I think my biggest role is trying to keep her mentally um, positive.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely an emotional journey, I'm sure, for both of you and for your kids, and and um, so I, and I get that makes me think about like you guys are out there for hours and hours in some of these races. Do you all remember? Have there been plenty of times where you you're on one of these long fifty mile or hundred mile races where you kind of stop and cry, either tears of uh, of just uh, pain or joy uh, in the middle of uh, these races as well? Or I I I don't remember ever crying during a race there's no crying and Uh, running right (laughs) if
1: if you ever see me crying in a race you i want you to make fun of me (laughs) and call me a baby (laughs) and tell me to get back out there and get it done gotcha um i don't know about annie uh i I don't think have
0: i seen you cry a race?
1: maybe she can tell that story
0: yeah i cried at pinhody 100 and i know like a bunch of people had mile 80 to 85 of pinhody 100 are like the tear suckers um, it's just brutal and it's freezing cold and oh, I was yeah. exhausted and Kevin was pacing me and he has since learned like you don't motivate me by getting out of sight and making it like he thought if he ran really far ahead that it would motivate me to run faster well I didn't have the ability to run faster and I also don't love being alone in the dark so um, yeah he got way ahead of me and I, I, I cried
1: hey, so, so funny real quick so funny story with about her in the dark we were doing the georgia loop that she talked about um it's it takes it's like only around 50 some odd miles but it takes forever so you end up running in the dark and it's remote you're up in the north georgia mountains i'm a little it's starting to rain we're getting really cold um actually the rain ended up causing us not to be able to finish our first attempt um and all of a sudden i hear like this blood curdling scream that sounded like Something out of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So I thought like Jason had popped out of the woods with a machete and was about to start, you know, chopping at her or something. So I turn around and she's just standing there like 10 feet from me, staring off into the at this ridge line. And uh, I'm like, what in the world? Why is she screaming? And I look and it was three coyotes. And she basically told me like she swore they were coming to eat her. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> They're
0: definitely gonna eat me. All right,
1: Annie. Did
2: I don't think they want to eat us. Let's just keep. Let's just keep moving. We're gonna freeze if we stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a lot of runs. You know. Um... That either you guys put on and others put on are, you know, for causes, whether it be for like a nonprofit or, or specific, you know, um, a person and family dealing with stuff. And so for you guys, you know, and like, you know, I'll toss this to you, Annie, how important is that to have something kind of like, I mean, we all have our why, but when you go into a race and it's, and it benefits something you care about or someone you care about, um, do you think that makes a big difference for you and others you've seen and races y'all put on?
0: It absolutely does. To be fair, I feel like Kevin should answer this question because of this, I mean, it's important to all of us, but of, of the three of us, I feel like it is just a huge thing for him. He has just this huge heart for, um, giving and helping people. But in general, that's how Revolution Running started to the best of my knowledge or what I was brought in on when I came to be a part of Revolution Running. It was started as an avenue to help charities. Um, I think there was just not a whole lot around like charities would be paying. We we knew of some charities that were paying like a race timing company to help them handle the race. So by the time they paid all of their fees, they would have very little left for their charity. Um, so Kevin and John's heart was to give these charities an opportunity to actually benefit from from the races. Um, so, I mean, it's the primary reason that we have Revolution running. And it it is just really fun, really good for our hearts to be able to go and hand a check, especially to we do mostly local charities. So to be able to go and hand a check to a local charity that we know is going to help somebody right in our community.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And and I know um I read somewhere as well and, and you, you guys Um, that, that, I don't know if you guys are not putting this on directly, but the sunshine endurance six and 12 hour run, that'll take place Saturday, May 8th, which is just like a month from now at Strong Rock Christian school in Locust Grove, Georgia, all proceeds benefiting you, Annie, and to helping with medical bills as you fight breast cancer. And so we want to promote that. And, and hopefully a lot of folks can, can come out and enjoy that. I assume you guys are participating or, or at least will be there, I guess, for part of that.
1: Uh, yeah, our friend Brooke McClanahan is putting that race on. It's on Run Sign Up if anybody wants to come. Um, it was It's really awesome to have friends like, like Annie mentioned before. The running community has been um, amazing. That was kind of a tough thing for me at first to want to accept the help. Um, but now that we're knee-deep in this thing, I'm um, – you can't do this without the help of family and friends. And we're really thankful for our running community and Brooke took on putting on this race for us. And, um, so yes, if I'll be running, um, that would be post surgery for Annie. Annie should be there. So, um, it, it, she should be recovered enough from surgery to be there. And, um, you have six and 12 hour options. It's also in Locust Grove, Georgia.
2: Um, no, a two-mile two mile loop on kind of some cross-country trails, I believe, yeah. That's
1: right. Yeah, it'll be trail, two-mile loop, as many miles as you can – and many loops as you can get in in six or 12 hours. There's a virtual option, too. So I know people – which is cool because that's one thing, cool thing that came out of the pandemic, like, with causes and all, like, people that still want to help but are live across the country um, can do the virtual option and get the swag and um, put their miles in and – you know, get the race results on, on the website and all, but, um, yeah, we're, we're thankful for that. And you can still sign up on the run sign up page. If you just search for, uh, sunshine endurance run.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you guys obviously can lean on each other, as husband and wife, but I mean, you 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 need a lot more than that. You're leaning on God and leaning on friends and fellow runners, and so I I think that uh, I think it's a definitely a smart thing. And I'm so glad that there's like you said, you have that support system around you. And uh, and again, thank you guys so much for joining me for the podcast and for putting on one mile at a time and uh, helping uh, me uh, push through. We'll see. I'll, I'll keep adding mileage and see where it goes from here. We'll, we'll find out, I guess.
1: Hey, Jason, thanks for coming. Um, awesome job getting your PR thirty-five miles is that right yeah
2: yeah 35 That's miles crazy. so and i I, th- I feel like i should have kept on going i i i, I should have if if uh i think peer pressure maybe would have helped uh who knows but uh <laughs> i i think i had a i had a debate with myself that last loop and i think the 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 one side of me won and uh
1: <laughs> six, days, six days at the dome registration is open it's in june I think, uh, <laughs> I think you ought to sign up <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I I uh, I'm, I think I want to stay married. So uh, <laughs> that's the key here. So, that's but smart. but uh, but thank you thank you guys so much. I appreciate it, and uh, and looking forward to hearing about how the uh, double mastectomy goes, and uh, definitely our prayers for you guys through all this. Thank
1: all right, you thank so you. Much. All
2: right, God bless. you know, just a uh, great people to meet in person at that one mile at a time race and looking forward to see them in the future, since they're uh, not too far down the road in, in Georgia as well. And, uh, uh, really uh, uh, rooting and praying for them for their um, her double mastectomy which is happening in uh, mid-April hoping that all goes well and she's strong and continuing running and then again they have that Sunshine Endurance choices of 6 or 12 hour run that will take place Saturday, May 8th so look that up You can. Uh, that's going to be on a 2 mile loop in uh, Locust Grove, Georgia and they're going to have a raffle as well Fellowship and Fun, all those proceeds helping with medical bills uh, as she and, and their family uh, fights breast cancer so definitely go out and support them at the Sunshine Endurance Run in May in Georgia. Now to our uh, final segments of this Run the Race podcast, which you can find on WTVM.com slash podcast. And uh, on SoundCloud, you've got all the the previous 61 episodes, and you can go to Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, tell your friends about it. Also, Apple Podcasts. If you go to the bottom of the page there, scroll down to the bottom from all the episodes, there's a place there where you can do a little five-star review. We'd love for you to help us out. Click that write a little sentence or two, kind of be honest with me. What do you like? What do you don't like or whatever? And uh, so we want to continue this on. And so hopefully to motivate and inspire you when it comes to faith and fitness. So now to our final segments, which is a a parting gift from uh, uh, one of the, uh, uh, some classic ones from a college basketball coach who, uh, who passed away from cancer decades ago and also food for thought when it comes to uh, fitness and cancer. I found this article that just came out a few days ago from U.S. uh, News and World Report. It's called, uh, What to Know About Exercising During Cancer Treatment. This is from uh, Dr. Adam Ramin. He says, uh, from a perspective of history, fitness during cancer treatment wasn't really advised very much for most patients. Many with a chronic illness were advised to to rest and and have less physical activity to preserve their strength. But nowadays, um, patients are, are proving that exercise during treatment can have an incredible impact on, on their outcome, and and, and I think that um, Annie Randolph is proving that as well. Uh, research over the last few years has shown that a focus on fitness during cancer treatment can not only help these patients when it comes to maintaining muscle mass and mental health and strength, it can also help their body when it comes to healing and recovery during and after that treatment process. Those studies showing even low to moderate activity can have a lot of positive effects on the body, whether you have cancer or not. So, okay, what type of cancer, what type of exercises are we talking about that are best for patients when they're undergoing cancer treatment? Well, after if you've cleared uh, if you're clear for exercising with your doctor, that's a big step to do that. Be slow and steady about it. Even, you know, a brief walk around a block or or through your neighborhood can, can do wonders uh, for your mood and for your body. Strength training exercises um, like weight resistance with, your, with body weight or leaving lifting weights, that can increase muscle mass and, and help you not get so stiff due to inactivity flexibility is crucial for cancer patients, they say, so things like yoga. Um, so uh, if, if you know someone or maybe you yourself are dealing with a cancer treatment and wondering how exercise might help you, of course, the first thing to do is talk to your doctor first. They're going to be the best expert to steer you in that right direction for fitness and keep those things slow and steady for exercise, especially at the start, and you can stay strong with your resistance training and have you know try to get more flexible and and just have fun with it because you know uh, life's all about not giving up and speaking of that our parting gift comes from former nc state basketball coach who won the national championship in 1983 jimmy valvano he had a famous speech on the ESPN. Uh, where he said, don't give up, don't ever give up. But there's a couple other quotes that stuck out for me. Of course, he, he passed away from cancer, had a, a very public fight, a battle with that. And now they do the Jimmy V, you know, uh, they raise a lot of money through his foundation, millions and millions of dollars. Um, during, during that speech, he, he had a lot of cool things to say. He says, cancer can take away all of my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart. And it cannot touch my soul. So that is is so true. One of the other things he said during that um, ESPN speech, Jimmy Valvano, the former college basketball coach, said, if you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. So think about it. Try every day or, or, you know, fake it or or hopefully you have genuine things that make you laugh, think, and cry. Hopefully, you, you know, that that makes a full day for sure. And hope you uh, get a chance to do those things and, and, and in joyful ways too, to living life to the fullest. Now to our closing prayer, dear God, uh, just thank you for this opportunity uh, to talk about you, to talk about fitness. Uh, we pray for uh, the Randolphs as they go through this process of getting through this cancer and the, the treatments. And the, the surgery coming up, we pray for their safety and for her healing. Uh, we pray for uh, my family, Lord God, that uh, you know the situations, you know the healing that needs to happen uh, in mind, body, and soul there, Lord God. And just uh, pray for all those that are listening, Lord God, that there was something that, that touched them as they listen today and that uh, we will all uh, seek to uh, live healthier lives uh, physically and spiritually, Lord God, and look to you for our strength. When we are weak, you are strong. You may pray. Amen and uh, again thank you so much for choosing run the race we know there's a lot of choices out there when it comes to our uh, podcast please uh, share this with folks using hashtag run the race or hashtag run the race podcast and uh, we will continue down this road and have a lot of interesting guests uh, talking about uh, all kinds of fitness things we had last week we had a former pro wrestler uh, who's been at 4,000 matches pretty impressive And uh, so hopefully you get a chance to go back and listen to episode 61 as well. But until next time, we hope you, you and yours have a wonderful rest of the week.